Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Java and Jesus with Kathy. I'm your host, Kathy, and today we are recording episode five, Love Redeems. And it's going to be a special episode because it's my first episode where I will be hosting a guest, a good friend of mine from Eastside City Church in Calgary, Tanya. She is here visiting me in Florida, and we thought we would do an episode together. And it's really our different experiences of the forgiveness of Jesus. So different, and yet there's many similarities. And so let me just backtrack a little bit here and uh, share with you the process of how I pick these episodes. So I've been rereading many of these scripture portions and, and the following prayers and been looking for something that just brings out a feeling or a sense of connection with God. And it's my hope that as I share these entries with you, it will maybe help you in your connection with God as well and and how you relate to him. And of course, the other consideration, because this episode was going to be also including my friend Tanya, I felt it needed to be a portion of scripture that she also connected with for her own personal reasons. And so I shared with her and we kind of conferred back and forth a little bit and decided on this particular one was one we could both relate to. And so let me get started by reading our selection. And it is found in Luke 7 verses 37 to 47. Again, the message translation. Luke 7, 37 to 47. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet and she kissed them and anointed them with the perfume. And When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet that I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. And then Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Well, Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. Well, that's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she was very, very grateful. And if the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. That's the end of the scripture reading. So then my prayer. This is back from fall 2016. Lord, you have forgiven me for so much and this portion of your word is a good example of gratitude expressed by someone who truly appreciated the forgiveness she had received. 
When I do things for your church, it is my way of showing appreciation. It is what I remind myself when I get tired in, in serving you. You remind me of a scripture in Galatians 6-9, and I thank you for the encouragement. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Sometimes, Lord, the harvest goes beyond knowing we have blessed you. Sometimes it is the experience of seeing our efforts affect someone else in a way that changes the course of their life and their eternity. And that was the end of my prayer entry. And so I'm kind of pondering it and I'm picturing this this other woman and just how she was just lavishing on Jesus and I was almost feeling guilty. And then God said, Kath, your perfume is your service to me. That's your sacrifice. And I, you know, just immediately I just felt so encouraged. I'm just so grateful to God because he does that. He just reminds us of, of things at times. I have another scripture that I added at the bottom of this, and it's Romans 10.11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And I think I put that in there because there has absolutely been times in my life, even though I know he's forgiven me, I still feel ashamed about my past. And maybe here's uh, uh, the pattern kind of forming where I make some confessions to you about things that have uh, happened in my life. And, and this is one of those times, the confession of why I felt ashamed. Both my husband and I, uh, when we met, he was still married, although separated, and he eventually divorced. And then we got married, and I had been a single mother for a number of years, and I'd had a child without being in a relationship, so uh, out of wedlock, not even with a boyfriend, and 40 years ago, that was really quite the scandal. And so definitely things that both of us felt ashamed about, and yet... You know, we don't need to believe the lies of the enemy. God wasn't limited by our past and how he is using us now and in our lives. And the opposite is true. And this is the goodness of God. He even uses our mistakes. And, and the enemy's lies of you're disqualified, we don't need to listen to those at all. And so God has helped my husband Rod and I not only be faithful to each other, but more importantly, faithful to him. And we are being used in different ways and have been for many years. We're leaders in the church and been a part of establishing a Christian school. And even though our kids are long grown and gone, we are still serving on the board. And now our little grandson is in the school. So that's a blessing. And we've, we've just seen him use us in many ways to not only serve him, but in doing so, we are serving others and building his kingdom. And again, his goodness, my past experiences um, that came out of my sin, actually, and sinful choices, led me to being a single mom. And yet what it did for me in my future was it gave me a heart for single moms. I, I can identify with them, at least on some level, of what it's like to raise a, a child or children alone and, and, you know, financially some of the extra challenges and even just emotionally because I've gone through that. And maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking about things in your past and how they have positioned you to have greater empathy 
and compassion for people that God has brought into your life at various seasons. And so maybe right now, you might even be thinking about some of these situations in your own life where you kind of go, yeah, that explains why I have a heart for maybe certain type of people or situations. And it's really interesting how God uses everything. He doesn't waste anything. So I just want to give you a little bit of an example. My husband was an engineer outside of the home. He was earning the money. I was a stay-at-home mom volunteering in the school and then we started purchasing rental properties that was kind of a slash business and ministry all at the same time because of my heart for single moms it just seemed like God would bring somebody into our lives that needed a safe and affordable home right when we needed uh, a tenant to fill it and so it was sort of a symbiotic relationship if you will and uh, God did use us in in that way and uh, anyway, it kind of goes with the law of sowing and reaping. We sowed and we reap personally, but also we're able to help other people along the way. And enter Tanya. This is how we met Tanya. She had some things going on in her life, and we had known of her in the church peripherally. And then her situation changed, and she needed a place to live, and we were introduced. And, and the rest, as they say, is history. So she's become more than a tenant, and hopefully we're more than landlords to her. I think we are. It it came with some some extra <laughs> some extra benefits. We're we're friends. She's yeah. uh, ended up being a painter, and because of our properties, we are always doing painting and renovations. And so we've done lots of projects together. I call her my close friend, my painting <laughs> pal, and a sister in the Lord. So welcome, Tanya. I'm so happy that you're going to be able to record this special episode with me. This morning we were at church and it's just one thought I want to share before I kind of uh, hand things over to her. And it was how Jesus fills our cup. And of course I've entitled this whole little podcast uh, Java and Jesus and it's more than just having a cup of coffee. What I really hope to share with people that take the time to listen is that Jesus fills your cup with everything mm -hmm. that you need. And this episode, His Love Redeems, is our testimony of Him filling our cups with His His goodness and His love and His mercy and His forgiveness and all of that. So when we picked that portion of Scripture, Tanya, I know uh, it resonated with you as well. Mm -hmm. Can you share with our listeners a bit about that? Yeah, so... The, actually, this scripture has two different meanings to me. Um, when I first started coming to church and I first heard this uh, story about this girl, um, it just really hit home for me. It resonated well with me because it's kind of part of my personal story and just things that have happened over the past couple of years of my life. It even has more meaning now in another way. And so... Um, Basically, when I first started coming to the church, I was just all in, serving where I could, building new relationships, and I was so relieved that God was real. I had found Him. Uh, I was forgiven and loved. I was just very grateful to know those things, but unfortunately, I had a very distorted view of how that looked. I had a past that I was trying to hide. I didn't want anyone in the church to know. I didn't think I'd ever even fit in with the rest of the church. I just felt different and kind of 
an outcast if people ever knew my past, and I carried a lot of fear and shame. I was still stuck in a lot of lies and labels that were spoken over me as a child, just right up to a couple of years ago, actually. So Wow. Mm-hmm. So some of that distorted thinking, where do you think the shift happened for you where you started to get past just the head knowledge of God's forgiven me and he loves me to mm-hmm. just knowing that you know that you know that you know <laughs> that he really has forgiven you and loves you? Well, it wasn't something that just happened overnight, that's for sure. I ended up having a really bad mental and emotional breakdown, which uh, just, I was spiraling, I was in a bad place, and I just ended up crying out to God out of pure desperation. And through that experience, God just took me on this process that brought me into a place of experiencing this love and forgiveness that came over me. And I started seeing myself differently, seeing God differently. And I actually came to realize that where God wanted to use me, and it was through this broken place. Wow, that's amazing. And I just love what God did there in in your life. Why don't we take our listeners back through a little bit of your history and some of your testimony just to give a little bit of context, because there's a bit of a gap between, you know, when you first started going to church and just this process start maybe with your growing up and just how you ended up where you ended up sure so growing up uh, I had an alcoholic father who was very 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 temperamental my mom was very manipulative and controlling who emotionally abandoned me at the age of 13 my siblings and myself experienced a lot of emotional physical and mental abuse and to add on to that I was also bullied quite badly in school which led to even other different types of insecurities and left me quite vulnerable to others. I also formed an eating disorder at a very young age and by the time I was 13 I started drinking alcohol and everything kind of snowballed from there. I started looking for love in all the wrong places. Thoughts and attempts of suicide. I really didn't know what the point of life was for, why I was born, what I was doing here. I didn't want to be here and by the time I was 16 I I was taken, I was forced into the sex trade. I accepted a ride from a complete stranger, not sure why I said yes, but I did. And that led to a long road of being abused, controlled, and caught up in drugs. I got stuck in a cycle of fear and confusion and living in survival mode. Even just me listening right now to what you're sharing, it's kind of goes beyond comprehension. I know one thing that we've been learning by some of the information coming out new movies like the sound of freedom that is making ordinary people like me more aware that there is actually a sex trade out there it's not a random thing or only happening to a few people it's happening to hundreds and thousands of boys and girls men and women that are being sex trafficked and so maybe help our listeners understand a little bit about the process of how this grooming takes place, how people get stuck in these awful cycles. Right. So grooming is where it's usually something that starts with what's called love bombing. And so these, we're just going to, it can relate to many different things. It can be any controlled type relationship, however that looks, but we're going to relate it to how a pimp would use it. And so through my experience of what I realized happened to me, this is it. So basically there's a phase called love bombing. This is where someone gives you affirmation, gives you the love that they see that you've probably never had. 
They buy you gifts and they literally wait until you're in a place where you've fallen deeply in love with them. And in most cases, you also become pretty reliant on them in many ways. And then this is when the next phase starts where the abuse and control comes in, kind of feels like a shock. You still think this person is a great person. And I forgot to mention, there's also all the promises of the life that they're going to give you, maybe marriage, whatever it is that they ask you questions of in the beginning of what it was that are your dreams. And so they start promising you all this stuff and get this large picture in your head that you have a future with this person. And it kind of sets them up to keep you there so that you're not going to leave them, you're not going to go anywhere. They'll keep you hopeful even through the abuse stages of just helping you kind of keep the image of, you know, they're a good person, they want better for you, they don't mean all these things. And remember that promise that they promised you in the beginning. And so every once in a while, you'll get that extra gift or the extra little thing that, you know, they did in the beginning to continue just keeping you hanging on that hope of things are going to get better. But it doesn't, it continues to get worse. And you get to a place where your self esteem is so broken. For me, I put my, my just my self esteem was so low that I literally put my whole image in sex trade. I didn't see myself worth anything. I didn't think I could do anything else with my life. I had no skills. Uh, and most girls don't because they get taken when they're young, right? So where are they going to go? Who's going to take care of them? You're reliant on someone that says that you can't make it on your own, that you need them. And this is the belief system that keeps you trapped in it. So that's a great explanation of how people just get trapped in these cycles. So here you are in what you think is a proper relationship, and yet this guy who says he loves you is actually pimping you out. So at some point, I know that you had a light bulb moment and you realized the insanity of it all. What was that for you? What was that light bulb moment? Well, I guess when I was 18, I got pregnant with this guy's baby and... By the time I had her at 19, I I already was out of the industry by the time I got pregnant, but the abuse continued. There's lying and cheating. There, you know, I still trapped with him personally. And I guess for me, it was just protecting my child. I loved her more than I loved him, more than I loved myself. I knew I needed to give her a better life. I couldn't be stuck in this anymore. And the abuse was pretty bad and she started seeing him beat on me quite badly and I finally just got enough courage to walk out with the help of some friends and then from there I just obviously had no skills to be able to do a regular job and I got lured into the strip club life and exchanged the lies for new ones. I basically believed this was a better life. I could do it for maybe six months to give my child a better life and ha make some money and maybe do something with myself but of course, when you're doing stuff like that, it never goes that direction. And so I ended up getting caught up in, in it for 10 years, not six months. Crazy, I know. And I also believed that I was the one finally using men, not the other way around, that this was a better lifestyle for me. And the fact that I thought I had control over myself, no one could touch me now. But the reality is that I was still being used. Okay, so it sounds like you had another light bulb moment there where you realized even though you weren't being touched physically, you were still being abused and used. And so now how did you get out of that one? <laughs> well, I finally, after 10 years, got really sick of it. I left. I found a 
painting job and became pretty good at doing that and wasn't very much money but it kept me away from the clubs and I just pushed it out I met my husband two years later and we ended up having some really big problems in our marriage we both came into that marriage with a lot of baggage and didn't really fully know each other very well and we ended up moving across the street from Eastside City Church actually funny story and that led us into reaching out there for help. Actually, my husband did. I wasn't really into it. I didn't want to go to church. I was just kind of still stuck in survival mode. But I did decide to go to church one Sunday, and God touched me. I got saved, and I've been coming ever since. I just never stopped. Unfortunately, my husband, he made other choices for himself, got himself put into prison and then deported. So I went back to being a single mom, and I've just been watching God provide for us in miraculous ways. And He's also been taking me on a healing journey where I found peace and purpose and he's been using the past of where I used to be. And in fact, I've been able to find a place where they do groundwork with girls that are stuck out on the streets in the sex trade and doing ministry in the strip clubs and just sharing my testimony with them and showing them what God's done in my life. Also just pouring out that unconditional love over them that God's done in my life and just setting the example of what his forgiveness looks like. Wow, and that just kind of brings us full circle, doesn't it? I first want to thank you for taking time out to record this podcast with me. And I'm just reminded of the scripture that we picked right at the beginning, this beautiful story about a woman who just showered Jesus with her gratitude for Mm -hmm. him forgiving all of her sins. And we've shared a little bit now, each of us, about our testimony of how God's done that in our life. And I am just reminded of a scripture that I want to end with. And it's found in Psalm 103, and it's verses 2 to 4. And it's like this, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. And I think that's what we've both experienced and what just motivates us to share the good news of Jesus with others. And so thank you for being my friend. Thank you for (laughs) being my partner in this podcast today. And I just uh, uh, pray a blessing on you and your girls and, and also on the listeners. Well, thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate you having me on here and just being open to have me share my story and you've been a really great support for me in many ways you and Rod and I'm really thankful for you guys as well just the friendship that we do have and just in so many ways you've definitely been someone that's stood by me and I really really appreciate that wow and so is this where I say thank you for the thank you (laughs) okay no we got to bring this to an end but I do want to thank those of you who've stuck with us right to the end and I hope that you will share this podcast around and that you will also come back and join me again next week if you can like and subscribe and all those things and thank you again bless you and have a fantastic week bye-bye bye